Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by Living Word Church. We trust that as you hear the Word of God preached, you'll be encouraged and equipped to love God and do His will. If you're looking for a church home, please feel free to visit our Sunday morning worship service at 10 a.m. or visit our website at www.livingwordchurch.cc. And now for our message. Am I on? I think I am. I can't tell. You hear me? There we are. All right. Before we get started today, let's, um, let's get up and let's move around. Why don't we greet somebody this morning? Why don't we hug somebody? Why don't we just give a handshake? Let's just take a couple minutes and let's just be family. Since Jenny called us to that, let us be that this morning. It really is the beauty of the church when we function as family. And that is what God calls us to, to be the body, to be connected. I love um, how Jenny brought it. it. It is a blessing to be a part of an extended family. I know when I think of myself and my own personal life, and I think of my family, that so many of them live so far away that many of them I only see at funerals, really. Um, And it's been years since I've seen some of my aunts and uncles and cousins that all live in the Florida and Georgia area. And so when I come here and when I connect with my church family, I get to experience all of that extended family that I don't have nearby It's this local expression of that extended family. To have so many brothers and sisters and to have grandparents and people who love on my kids and smother them and lavish them with gifts and things like that. It's it's all of those things of my own regular earthly family that I don't get a chance to experience, but I get to experience it through the body of Christ. Guys, it is a true and remarkable blessing that through Christ, and through what he has done for us, that we get to be called the family of God. That we get to be children, and that's what we are. And so I, I hope we don't take that for granted. I hope we find true joy in that. I know for some it's kind of weird, like I don't know all these strangers. We're going to spend eternity together, so we might as well start getting to know each other now. Real talk. And if you got some beef with them, you might want to squash it now because... Dealing with somebody, no, there won't be any of that. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, As a part of our extended family, I just want to show a real quick video. So uh, many of you know David Hampshire. Some of you who are new may not, but um, we've planted several churches over the last maybe 13 or so years. Uh, The first church that we planted uh, is in Crown Point, and it's called Cross Point Church. And David Hampshire is the pastor of Cross Point. And so we use the adage, when one goes, we all go. And so even though they're not a part of this local body, they've come from this local body, body have been planted out. And so uh, he gave a greeting to his church. And so we wanted to just share that same greeting um, with you this morning. So hopefully this will play. And he's sharing the gospel there. And where one goes, even all of us through the connected LifeLink churches go. Um, And so I just want to pause really quick, and I just want to pray for David and the work that he's doing there and the ministry that he has there to 
uh, believers in Nepal. So, Lord God, we just thank you this morning. God, we thank you that, um, that this small network of churches here in Chicagoland and Northwest Indiana, Lord God, though we may be small uh, as a consortium of churches, God, you are using us dramatically around the world for your glory. And so, God, we pray for David right now as he's in Nepal, as he's preaching the gospel and teaching leaders and, and helping to raise up a generation that will love you and that will spread the gospel throughout that region. God, give him strength, Lord God. Give him wisdom. Lord God, speak to his heart as he shares um, with those people. God, we pray um, that there would just be a dramatic um, experience with your spirit in that place. So we pray for them even now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as you guys know, and if you are new, you may not know, but we are in a series um, I'm entitled, Age Stays the Same, that our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, and this is really uh, an important um, understanding for us, and so we're going to continue in that series. But I would be remiss if I don't uh, make mention of, obviously, this past week, we just celebrated Valentine's Day. Um, and for some, that makes our heart leap with joy. For others, that makes our heart not leap for joy, I guess, the opposite of leap for joy. Um, and so I was thinking about Valentine's Day, and this message where we're going to talk about today really is um, essentially a connection of Valentine's Day's message. So I brought this for you all. This is for all of us. Um, this is from God. Uh, he wanted me to share his Valentine wish with you. But before we get to that, I just wanted to give us some useless facts about Valentine's Day. Why not? Did you know that every year, roughly 36 million heart-shaped boxes of candy are sold across this country? 36 million. Anybody buy any heart-shaped boxes of candy? We stopped buying them because half the candy I don't even like. But that's equivalent to roughly a billion dollars in chocolate sales. You know, every year around 9 million people buy their pets Valentine's Day gifts. 9 million folks. Don't raise your hand if you did that. <laughs> February 14th is the second largest card-giving holiday behind only Christmas. It is estimated that 1 billion cards are exchanged on that day around the world. Useless fact, Hallmark was one of the first companies to mass produce the Valentine's card in 1913. So we've been sending cards for a long time. Teachers receive the most Valentine's Day cards, and I guess depending on how many students you have in your class depends on how many you may get on a given Valentine's Day, followed by kids, mothers, wives. The U.S. spends an estimated $3.3 billion on flowers for Valentine's Day, second only to Mother's Day. So mothers still get more flowers. Roughly 189 million stems of roses are sold for Valentine's Day. There are roughly 70 million dinner reservations made across the U.S. on Valentine's Day. About 55% of Americans celebrate Valentine's Day and spend an estimated $18 billion a year on Valentine's Day. 
It's a holiday that began back in the 1300s, and it has become a commercial gold mine. It's a lot of money. But I will tell you that what we get to discuss today is so much greater than any Valentine's Day card. It is so much greater than any amount of chocolate you can buy. For those who felt, you know, kind of like that responsibility of Valentine's Day, especially if you are married or you have a significant other and you kind of, you know, let's say the average man will spend $170 on his female counterpart and vice versa. It's about $50 men for women for men, which that's probably about right. Um, But today I have a one-point message, just a single point. And I'm going to tell you the one point of this message, and then we're going to pray and we're going to dive in. And the single point of today's message is this. You are so loved. One point. You are so loved. Lord God, we thank you for this morning. God, we thank you for the opportunity to dive in your word. God, we thank you for the fact that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. That you do not change. That you do not shift. That you cannot lie. That you cannot not fulfill your promise, God, because of just who you are. It is your nature, God. So we are grateful this morning. And so, God, as we open your word and as we, as we look at, at the truths from your scriptures, God, I pray that we would see things from fresh eyes this morning. God, though the, the story we're going to look at, the account we're going to look at won't be new to probably many people. God, we pray that today we could see it and receive it with fresh eyes and with fresh ears, Lord God that your Holy Spirit would give us a fresh vision for how this impacts our very lives. And so, God, we thank you. We thank you for your love for us that is never-ending, that has been the same from the beginning of time until the end of time. So, God, bring your word alive to us in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to talk about an Old Testament scripture, and then we're going to look at a couple of New Testament scriptures. And again, this will not be a message that many of you have not heard. At least you will be familiar with the passage. And so I'm going to ask that you would take what you already know about the story of Hosea, the prophet, which is where we will be this morning. And I'm going to ask you to kind of just put that to the side. I want you to hear God's word through fresh ears. Because I believe that God has something to say to someone in this space about his love for you. And it's not about Valentine's Day and it's not about your spouse. This is a love that has been tried and tested through time. From the beginning of time to the end, it will be. And it's all based on this single premise that you are so loved. Not just loved, so loved. 
I mean, we know that to be true from John 3.16, right? He tells us right there, for God so loved the world. He didn't just love the world. I mean, he could have just loved the world, had been obedient and just did the cross, but it wasn't just out of some obligation or obedience that he went to the cross. No, he says he so loved the world, which is why he died. We are so loved. And what happens in the church, especially if you grew up in the church, is you hear that so much that you begin to just kind of glaze over, well, oh, yeah, because God loves me. Right? But it does not, it doesn't even begin to get to the reality of the real and true love of God because we oftentimes kind of sift our love or we see love through our earthly lens. So if we've, have, we've been loved and then love has been broken, we kind of see any love that comes to us through that same lens sometimes. Well, when I'm doing good, God loves me, of course. But when I'm doing, when I'm not doing well, he can't. When I'm messing up, he can't love me. Because that's the way the earth does it. That's the way people do it, oftentimes, is that our love is conditional. And when we talk about this unconditional love of Christ, sometimes we're like, yeah, I get it, but do you really? My prayer, this whole week leading up to this, was that God would make his love known to you in a new way. And there's no greater story, there's no greater account of that love that that I could think of than when we talk about our God being the same yesterday, let's look at God's love and how it's displayed yesterday. And we're going to turn to the book of Hosea in the Old Testament. And we're going to read kind of through some of the early, this account, and we're just going to kind of talk, and I, and I just want you to hear. I want you to hear this account and God's way of expressing his love for his people. It says this, The word of the Lord came to Hosea, son of Beeri, during the reign of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, and during the king of Jeroboam, son of Jehoash, king of Israel. And then it says this, verse 2. When the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, this is always a crazy one, go marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her. Now we got to pause there. There's a lot there. Hosea is a prophet, and this prophet existed about 750, 760 years before Jesus Christ, B.C., 8th century B.C. And as we know, prophets were, were men of God. These were people who were teaching people and, and, and admonishing people and telling them the very words of God. And there were times when they were able to do that just through words, to speak it. And then there are times where there was this thing called enacted prophecy. And enacted prophecy is when there were kind of, the prophets themselves were used as visual aids for what God wanted to communicate to his people. Does that kind of make sense? 
And so this is the story of Hosea, is that there's, God could just say what he wanted to say, but in sense, he said, no, there are some people who learn differently, and this is really, really important. So I'm not just going to have you speak these words to them. I'm going to have your very life be a visual to what I want to communicate to my people. Have you ever had anyone in your life that has kind of been a, a visual aid of, of, of something God wanted to help teach you? I mean, when I was in college, uh, my freshman year of college, I met a, a, a young man who was also a freshman, came in by the name of Joel Sonnenberg. And Joel, um, you know, was this kid, he comes up to me, I'm talking to somebody else, as, you know, I was playing football, I had already been on campus a couple weeks because of football campus, so I knew at least the football team, and there's a bunch of new freshmen coming in, and all of a sudden I get this tap on my back, and I turn, and it all, I almost... And then I remembered where I kind of, who I was, and I was like, oh, and he just introduced, hey, my name is Joel. Well, Joel had been in an accident, a car accident, when he was like still in a, in a baby carrier, when he was not even a year old. And the car went and got caught in the flames, and he was burned and melted even the seat around him. And some stranger came and actually pulled his car seat out of the car and then took off. They never found out who it was that removed his car seat from that burning car. But Joel was burned over 95% of his body. Joel has no hands. Joel has only kind of nubs for feet, but he is a remarkable young man. Face, body just burned. He's had more surgeries than he can even begin to count. His roommate was somebody from his hometown who came to school with him who had to help him dress, who had to help him do these things because he didn't have fingers to be able to do those things. Joel was a soccer player. He loved sports. The kid had a sense of humor that was just beyond me. It was just great. And that one, never once did I ever hear him in the four years that I knew him in college did I ever hear him complain. And I'm sure maybe in the past, because he had grown up like this, being made fun of, being laughed at, being looked at by people and turned the other way, people afraid of him. But God used him in my life as a living, walking example of, one, God's faithfulness to him and his family, but two, in his heart's desire to never quit, never give up, to keep going, to say, hey, this may be what the hand I'm dealt, but I'm going to play it and play it to the fullest. And that has been kind of a testimony to me. That has been a, a prophetic message to me that somebody could tell me those things, but until I met Joel and actually saw him embody those things, it was a completely, it was a game changer in my life. Well, this is the story of Hosea. That it's one thing for him to tell these things, but what we're seeing here is this enacted prophetic word from God to his people. And so God tells Hosea, this is what I want you to do. Now, there's a lot of details of this story that does not exist in the scripture, which means we get to use our holy imaginations this morning. So we're going to fill in some of the gaps, if you will. God, forgive me if I fill in the wrong things. But because it's not here, we get to do that. 
So there is Hosea, he's, he's preaching, he's calling people out, the children of Israel who are in sin, who are unfaithful to God, and all of a sudden God comes to him and says, I have a, a better idea of the way I want us to tell these people and get these people to hear this truth. He says, I want you to get married, Hosea. And Hosea's like, yes, sure thing, God. I'm all for it. That might have been a desire of his heart, we don't know. But he's like, yes. Let's do this. Who you got in mind, God? Because you're a perfect God, so I know she's amazing in every way. She's beautiful, and she's smart, and she probably leads worship, or she does something really, really, like, cool in the church, you know, whatever it might be. And Hosea's, or God's like, actually, I want you to, as it says it, Go marry a promiscuous woman. A what? Did I hear that wrong? Did you say promising? <laughs> you know? Professional? No, no, you heard me right. I want you to marry a prostitute. Whoa. Could you imagine that conversation with the family? When you have to explain... Mom, Dad, I'm getting married. Yay! What's her name? Well, we learn that her name is Gomer. It's an interesting name. Okay, but Mom and Dad are okay. We could, Gomer's, that's, that's fine. That's all right. Great. And, and, and how old is she? Oh, she's about my age or whatever. Oh, that's great. And, and what does she do for a living? <gasps> well, she's a professional, kind of. You know, I mean, could you imagine that? But this is what he says. He says, go marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her, for like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. So I'm not asking you, Hosea, to just tell them that the people are unfaithful to me. He says, no, I want you to actually embody. I want you to actually, through your life, Show them so that when people ask you, why is it that you, a man of God, married a woman like this, you can immediately tell them, because though she be unfaithful, God is still faithful. That though she is unfaithful, God still loves. And he wants there to be this, just exp this expression true, lasting expression and understanding that just like the unfaithfulness of people toward their God, spiritual unfaithfulness, there is also an earthly unfaithfulness. Now, you got to understand what's going on at the time. You have to understand what's happening in Israel at the time in this northern kingdom. And so we get just a glimpse of that uh, in chapter 4. Just going to turn over real quick, and I'll just read it for you. It says, Hear the word of the Lord, you Israelites, because the Lord has a charge to bring against you who live in the land. There is no faithfulness, no love, no acknowledgement of God in the land. There's only cursing, lying, murdering, stealing, and adultery. They break all bounds, and bloodshed follows bloodshed. Sound familiar? No acknowledgement of God in the land. 
It's only cursing and lying and murder and stealing and adultery. It says in verse 12, my people consult a wooden idol and a diviner's rod speaks to them. A spirit of prostitution leads them astray. They are unfaithful to their God. So God has a, a very clear understanding of the problem in Israel and of the people of which he's sending Hosea to make this very visual plea with them, to call them from their unfaithfulness to this faithful God. So this is what's going on. So Hosea has been bringing this word, bringing this message to them for, for we don't know how long. We know through, through the reign of a number of kings. So there, there could have been any number of years that he's been bringing this truth to, to the people. And finally, God says, this isn't working. Here's another way. How many of us are grateful that God doesn't just stop when we don't hear him the first time? That God continues his love, you guys, you are so loved. His love is relentless. That if we don't hear it one way, if you don't hear it from me in preaching, sometimes God has to make his point clear in pain. I don't think it's God's first choice. But sometimes through some of the worst situations is when our ears are open the widest. Maybe it's just human nature. But our God's love is so... I can't fathom it, so I can't even think of a word for it. It's so amazing that he would go through all types of, over all types of obstacles and bounds to get to us. So he says to go and marry. So he married Gomer, daughter of Deblame, and she conceived and bore him a son. Then the Lord said to Hosea, call him Jezreel, because I will soon punish the house of Jehu for the massacre at Jezreel. Now the name Jezreel means God scatters. And you can go to 1 Kings chapter 10 if you want to read about Jezreel. But let me just tell you this. That name is not a name that you want to be named. But again, Hosea's entire life, his entire life was a visual example of God's exacting judgment, yet also his love and faithfulness to his people. That even his children, they were to ask him, well, how did you get that name? How did you name your kid that? He's able to tell the story, the unfaithfulness of his people. It's unbelievable. When we talk about age to age, him being the same, we talk about the people who were committing spiritual adultery their hearts were not committed to God. Their hearts were committed to, to, the, to the, the, the gods of Baal and, and all of these different things. And they talked about them building wooden idols and all these things. And God says, no, I, 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 want, I want your heart. I want all of it. And it's when I think about 
that reality of that. I think about my own, and I could only speak for me when I think about how sometimes divided my own heart is. I mean, if I be honest, and I'll be honest in church, you guys are family, you're not going to hold it against me, I hope. But when I think about the reality of my own divided heart sometimes, because I want the things of God desperately, but sometimes he moves too slow. He's not doing what I need him to do fast enough. And so I say, well, then I got to do it myself, God, because some reason you decided you didn't really want to act in this one. And every time I go and try to do things on my own, I mess them up. Right? That's, that's this split heart of saying, God, I trust you, but mm, this situation, though, God, I believe that you can do all things, but mm, in this situation, though, I'm not turning to other gods. I'm not, you know, praying to, to the sun and things like that. But my heart turns to, to my own way. Well, if I just do this more, even though it means I might leave my family more, but if I, if I just work more hours, then that thing that I was hopeful that you would provide, that you have it, now I got to do more for. And it creates mess after mess the more I try to do it. And God's calling his people, he's calling the children of Israel, he's saying their heart is divided. Their, their affections have gone from me and they've gone to other things. Their love is not here where the, the, the perfect love of God resides. And so often we put our love in the wrong things and in people and in all these things and those things come out to burn us. God's saying, hear me, you are so loved. Hear me, children of Israel, please understand that my love for you is, if you could just grasp it. But he's saying they've turned their hearts to other things. So let's make this clear. That doing those things will reap destruction on. It says, call him Jezreel because I will soon punish the house of Jehu for that massacre that happened. And then it said, Gomer then conceived again and gave birth to a daughter. Then the Lord said, call her Lo-Ruhama, which means not loved. That's not a name you want to have. For I will no longer show love to Israel that I should at all forgive them. Now here's a, I love this. So she conceives again, gives birth to a daughter. Her name is Lo-Ruhama, which means not love, for I will no longer show love to Israel that I should at all forgive them. Then in verse 7 it says, Yet I will show love to Judah, and I will save them. Not by both swords. So there's the northern kingdom. Then there's the southern kingdom. Northern kingdom of Israel is, are the ones that are being called out for their sin. Southern kingdom of Judah says, I will save them, not by bow or sword or by horses or horsemen, but I, the Lord, their God, will save them. And then just as soon as she had weaned Lo-Ruhamah, the not-loved one, Gomer had another son. Then the Lord said, call him Lo-Ami, which means not my people. 
for you are not my people, and I am not your God. To live in sin to the point where God begins to turn his affection and his heart away from us. Wow. And you would say, well, that's pretty cruel. That's pretty mean. I mean, I get it. They've turned their heart from God, but of course, God always, 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 right, pursues his people. He always loves his people, right? But just because God always loves his people doesn't mean that he doesn't punish his people. How many of us love our children and have learned that we could still spank them or punish them when they are out of line? And guess what? That doesn't mean any less love. Matter of fact, that is a sign of love. Now, I know for our children, they don't believe that, but it really is, young people, if you're in this room, if you have ever experienced in our home, it was called thumpers. Just in case our kids ever wanted to call DCFS. No, I'm just kidding, just kidding. They're like, what? We do thumpers. Thumpers is this. It's a flick with the finger. And the great thing about thumpers in our household and our, you know, our, my kids are, are really young, but we don't have to hardly do it anymore, is that just the, it wasn't even a threat, just the promise of thumpers brought about the desired response. Oh, the waterworks flowed when we said, come here, you're going to get thumpers. Right? But we didn't, doesn't mean we didn't love our children because we had to give them thumpers or whatever your form of punishment, time out. And so this is in the same way of God's love for his people, is he does love us beyond imagine, but he will punish us. He will correct us. He will teach us. So here it says, in verse 10, to your point. Yet the Israelites will be like the sand of the seashore. So just as he gets finished saying, for you are not my people and I am not your God, yet. So we saw a yet for the people of Judah. Remember just in verse 7, here's the yet for the northern kingdom, for the people of Israel. Yet the Israelites will be like the sand of the seashore, which cannot be measured. In the place where it was said to them, you are not my people, they will be called children of the living God. They will be. The people of Judah and the people of Israel will come together. They will appoint one leader, Jesus Christ, and will come out of the land, for great will be the day of Jezreel. Even in God's punishment of his people, he still can't help but provide a way out. He just can't. It is his nature that even though he says in one breath, you will not be my people, and that will exist for a time, but he says, I've already put into place the way of redemption. That even though there has to be this time of punishment, lo, I want you to know now that there will also be a time of restoration. And that is the beautiful thing about God. Guess what? He is the same yesterday, today, and forever, which means in our lives, that is also the truth. There will be times of difficulty, 
But don't worry, he will always provide. He will always be there with his great love for you and I to provide a way out, to provide an opportunity for redemption, to provide an opportunity to come back to him. We are never so far from him that he won't come even farther for us. How awesome of a God is that? My wife, whom I love dearly, may fail me. As perfect as she is, I know, it's hard to believe. But my God, he's never failed me. And not in the sense that I have everything I want or, or that I'm doing everything that, you know, whatever. It's, it's not even that. It is a simple reality that from time past, from as far back as we could look through Scripture, he has been faithful to what he said. So then for me, I say, well, God, if you could do it then, you can do it now. And he does. You guys know I work for a ministry in, in Chicago, and one of the things that we get to do, which is, which is just, to me, absolutely amazing, is we get to share the love of Jesus Christ. It's a big part of the program. So we have 1,500 kids in some of the worst neighborhoods in Chicago, and really what we do is we help them academically. We're an after-school program, but one of the major components of what we do is we want our kids to know Jesus Christ. We could teach them to read, but if they don't know Christ, they could be reading really well and doing all kinds of crazy. And so we want their souls to be saved. We want them to understand the joy that comes in Christ. And I, I, it's on a weekly basis that we get a chance to see new young people who say, I need that. I need Christ. And it never gets old. It never gets old that no matter how bad a kid might have been, when God gets a hold of their heart and he really gets a hold of it, the change in their lives, when they really realize what is so amazing about grace, it is, guys, you, I can't believe it. Even when I worked in juvenile corrections, got a chance to share Christ. I tell you, there has not been in my life since then have I had a time of prayer than I did when I was in corrections with a group of four young men between the ages of 17 and 20 that came to know the Lord. We prayed for four hours straight. And I promise you, it seemed like 20 minutes. I cannot explain it humanly. Those young people who didn't know the Lord four hours earlier, who knew of him but didn't know him, who had done all kinds of crazy things in their lives to get in the position where they were and to surrender their lives to Christ. And God said, I know all that you've done. I know your unfaithfulness to me then, but you made a decision now. And to see them pour out their hearts before God, it was, I could not stop crying. I still have yet to have had an experience like that since. And there were four teenagers who we just on our knees, kneeling on a couch, and just, just listen, just them just pray. And when one starts, it was like two more would try to get in. 
I mean, they just wanted to talk to God. Church, here's a real truth, and I am so far off my notes right now that I might as well put these away because I'm not even close to where I'm supposed to be. But here's the reality, and it doesn't matter. You are so loved. You are so loved that God is a long-suffering Savior, which means he is patient to wait for us. How awesome is that? Because the story goes on, and I got to wrap this up, so now I just got to kind of ad-lib a little bit. But the story goes on that Gomer left him. That for a time, Hosea was a single father with three kids with really difficult names. And God goes to Hosea, and he says, go get your wife. What? Yeah. Go. Find her. Take her back as your wife. Could you imagine? And he goes. And he searches. And he knows where she is. He knows at least where she might be. I don't know where the red light district was in the northern kingdom, but I'm sure he knew that that's where he would find her. That's where he found her the first time. And he goes, and he searches. It's so reminiscent of the prodigal son. I love the the duality of God. There's, There's the God who waits for us to return to him, and then there's the God who goes after us. How awesome is that? Either way, we're covered. He's waiting for us to come to him. And if we take too long, folks, he's going to come after us. So those people you're praying for, keep praying for them. Those people that your heart breaks for, continue to take those people before God because he will pursue them. And he went and he found her. And at this point, now she is involved in the sex trafficking trade. She literally is being sold to whatever man is the highest bidder. And he negotiates and determines what that amount is, and he buys back his wife. She's already his. But he had the buyer. Do you not know you are not your own? You're bought with the price? Did you know that the, the fullness of the earth and everything in it belongs to God, so we're already his, but do you know that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to buy us back? Even though we were already his, God, go, uh, Hosea's life was an example of God's love for us. This wasn't just about what happened yesterday. This is about what happens today because it's still the same. The story hasn't changed. It just has a different look because it looks like you and you and you and you. Our God pursues us. And then he tells us, he tells us after he pursues, you're not going to be, I'm not gonna, this is not a master-slave relationship once I buy you back. No, you're going to be my bride. That my love will, will do away with all of the mess and the unfaithfulness. And then he renews his covenant with her. 
Our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Our God is a patient God that he waits for us, that even though the people of Israel were so stubborn and they were so sinful and all all the things that God had done, they continued to turn their backs on him time and time again, and he continued throughout Scripture to pursue them all the way to the point of God sending his very own son. And here's the truth. He continues to pursue us. He continues to patiently wait for us. So this is what I'm asking us to do in closing. And sorry, I had a lot of good stuff in these notes. And if you want them, I'll pass them on because there really was some good stuff in there that I never even got around to even beginning to share. Literally, there's like three other pages of good stuff in there. But (laughs) when we watch the news and we see the craziness that's happening, maybe it's even a shooting in Aurora at a manufacturing plant of a disgruntled person who got fired who decided, if I'm going down, I'm taking people with me. And sometimes we see all of that and we throw up our hands and we say, God, come back now. (laughs) Just, Just come back now and do away with this. Scripture tells us that God's forbearance, his long suffering, his patience means salvation. So I want us to make it a a part of our thing that when we see the craziness that happens in this earth, that our prayer is, oh, God, come night. Oh, God, just come back now and just do away with it. God, would you tarry a little longer? Because there's still a lot of people that need to know the truth of who you are. Our prayer needs to be, God, I know you're patient, so I need you to be patient just a little bit longer. The Soma Youth Group hasn't gone to Japan yet. And there's only 2% of the people there that know or profess Christ. So we want to go and maybe, just maybe one other person will come to the saving knowledge of Christ if, if you just are patient a little bit longer with us. God, my neighbor doesn't know you yet. So God, I need you to be just patient a little bit longer as I continue just to try to share just my own way the gospel with my neighbor, my brother or my sister God is a patient God, but we need to say, God, we need you to continue to be patient with us because there's so many people who have not given their lives to you. They're still thinking that it works best if I do this on my own. God is saying, right now anyway, I will wait. Every day that I wait, means it's an opportunity of salvation for someone. So I continue to tarry. I continue to wait. How beautiful of a God that we have. So God's valentines to you is so true. You're so loved. Now I need you to hear it. Fresh today. You're so of the love of God can't just be measured in what we know of human love. That this God who has chased and pursued a people from the beginning of time and will continue to the end of time says to you and I, 
continue to wait for you. I will continue to pursue you. That is the amazing thing about the grace of God. It doesn't stop. We stop. He never stops. Our love is sometimes conditional. His love is never conditional. That's good news, church. That's good news. I'm going to ask, I know we're just at our time, but I'm going to ask our worship team to come because I think the only response we can have to the truth of the gospel, to the truth of God's love for us, the only response that we can have is worship. There is nothing else that is adequate. You have our hearts just cry out and say, God, you are amazing. Thank you for your love. I just want to pray, and then I just want us to stand, and I just want us to sing. And if, if you have never given your life to the Lord, and you want to do that and want to make today that day, then I'm going to ask that even as we worship, you would come, and I would be happy to pray with you. But we don't just want to walk out and just say, oh, that was a good word, and let's go back to life. No, we want to, let's just take a moment to linger in the love of God this morning. So, God, I thank you so much for your word. God, I thank you for the truth of your word. God, you know there was so much more that I wanted to say, but, God, I trust that you spoke this morning, that your word came through with exactly what you wanted my brothers and sisters to hear. Lord God, that you continue to pursue us, that you love us, that you've done it before, you will continue to do it. So, God, we thank you for your love. God, we thank you that we are so loved that you would die for us. God, we don't deserve it, but you did it anyway because of your great love for us. God, your love is, is extravagant, Lord God. And so, God, we just pray that even as we begin to worship God, that maybe something fresh and new would spring up from us this evening or this morning, Lord God. God, that we would, we would just begin to express in our worship, God, just a little bit to give back, just a little bit of that love that you give to us, Lord God. God, we know how to get loud if it's a football game or, or a basketball game or a sporting event, but God, allow our hearts to scream out in joy for who you are. Oh God, there is none like you in all the earth. Your love is extravagant, Lord God. Allow it to wash over your people this morning, Lord God, that they would experience it if they've never experienced it before. God, make it real to us, God. Make it palpable to us, just like you did using Hosea, Lord God. You made his life a real living example, Lord God, of how you pursue us. Well, God, we ask that you would make that real to us this morning. God, inhabit the praises of your people. God, inhabit the praises of your people. Holy Spirit, come and be present in the praise of your people. Come like a mighty rushing wind this morning, Lord God, and allow this final song that we sing to be a cry or anthem from our hearts to you this morning, Lord God. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Ooh, ooh.